Hello, lovely humans. This is our final bonus episode of Sex at Work in the Sex Stories feed. So make sure that you go subscribe to Sex at Work wherever you get your podcasts. This coming week's episode is an interview with Cindy Gallup of Make Love Not Porn. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it. So if you want to hear my additional thoughts on that, go subscribe to Sex at Work. And ask the algorithm to join our mission to make the world a sexier place by subscribing on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify and sharing with friends. We will be back next week with season three of Sex Stories, and I am excited and nervous to share this episode with you because it's me talking about work stuff, which for some reason feels way more vulnerable for me than sharing deep sexual fantasies. Before we dive in, thank you BetterHelp for supporting Sex Stories. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Sex Stories. Therapy is awesome. Go check it out. That is BetterHelp.com slash Sex Stories. Now, my sex at work where I share my deepest fantasies in progress and some listener stories, celebrations, and body questions. And you do want to go subscribe to that new feed because this week's episode is pretty good. Lovers, welcome to Sex at Work, a podcast where we explore the minds of people whose work has to do with sex so we can start thinking about not just the invisible forces at work on our personal lives, but also learn about some awesome people who offer services that could be part of our sex lives that we may just not know about yet. I'm your host, Wyo Lee, and in the same way that I often share my own stories on our flagship pod, Sex Stories, I want to share my sex at work updates here because, amazingly, my sexual awakening led me to my sexual work awakening, and now my life is one big, happy, mostly happy, giant work-life ball of fun that I hear would really not be right for most people, but I get to talk and think about my favorite topic all the time, all day long, and that has inspired my next several projects and kind of shifted my whole life trajectory. So I figured that I would start sharing with you what I'm working on behind the pod, and I'm also going to use this as a space to catch up on email from you listeners. Now, originally, I meant to launch the new podcast with my own episode answering the questions just like I did on Sex Stories. But at some point over the summer, I just forgot that idea somewhere between getting COVID and my car getting messed up and the air conditioner getting messed up and the flying and the family baby shower and the wedding and the grandma died and the farm getting rething everything and the fires and the everything <laughs> and the farmer work. At some point, I forgot that. So here I am remembering it, trusting the timing of everything. And six is now one of my favorite numbers. So I'm going to start off by answering my own questions that I ask guests, which I think will kind of be a Mission 69 update. And then I'm going to read some listener email and ask you a question of the month and maybe give you a little tease at the end. So my sex at work origin story. What is my work like? What led me to this sex related career? Well, I never thought that I would really be doing sex-related work, although looking back, I see now that I was cast as a dominatrix on more than one occasion when I was doing more independent film stuff. And I also used to work with pickup artists producing and directing their online reality show. So that was like very sexual stuff and always coming from these very curious places. But when I was playing dominatrices, I had no idea what they really were. Like I really didn't get it. So it wasn't until I had amazing, mind-blowing, transcendent sex after a whole kind of like, oh, I don't want to work with pickup artists. Oh, I, that, that 
that old way of being where I just give all my energy and burn myself out a couple of times, I don't want that life. So I went away to South America. I came back. I was really like, why am I 27 and having like mediocre sex still? Like this is the age where I should be killing it, right? And that was when I followed my little heart's desire. I didn't really understand what kink was. I didn't understand what BDSM was at all. Like I didn't know how to explore those things. I just knew that I wanted to be tied up. I did some preliminary research, found out about FetLife, found a man who became my master after writing about wanting to be tied up, but like really making it clear that I had no experience. Luckily, he was not a murderer and is a great guy. And off and on, four and a half years later, he still fucks me transcendently, which is not to say that it's been totally perfect the entire time. But the sex that I was having with him in the spring of 2017 and the summer, and then in the fall, when Me Too really exploded, Me Too started in 2011, but the fall of 2017 is when Harvey Weinstein was exposed, and that was kind of when it all really started coming out. And then January 2018 is when I decided to do sex stories. Originally, it was called Talk About Sex Now, like an imperative, like, talk about it now. But growing up, I had always loved sharing boy stories because I didn't know that I liked people of all kinds back then. So I just always thought of them as boy stories, and I would, like, journal about boy stories. So... Sex stories really is just the adult version of that. This curiosity, I've always been super curious about sex. I've always asked about it to anyone who would talk to me. I I don't have shyness for talking about it. I I accumulated some shyness in college because like I knew that I should, and I thought that was part of the process of growing up. I was like, oh yes, I I should want to cover up my body. Oh, oh okay, that's being a grown-up, okay? Oh, I I should feel uncomfortable or is that growing up becoming uncomfortable about things you love Mm, okay you know (laughs) so I like I I rejected all of that by the time I had gotten to like having amazing sex I was like oh I get to make up my life oh nothing is what I thought it would be and I could just like explode everything and shave my head and and paint circles and the world is fine (laughs) you know um finding ways to give myself permission led to this deep level of permission and receiving, which happened to sync up with this big cultural movement. And I felt the urge to do something. And with all the privilege that I had of being deeply loved, never having been attacked at all, much less in a sexual way, and having great sex and not feeling shy about it, it felt like, well, that's my job. And the fact that there wasn't already a podcast called Sex Stories, it felt like a logical next step. Did I know that I was going to be doing it three years from now? No, I don't know. I don't think I thought that far ahead. I just knew that I could have these conversations and I was also curious. Now, my curiosity has led me (laughs) to wilder and wilder fantasies. Talking to you all has led me to create the idea for the mobile dungeon, which has morphed into the idea of a playship, which has morphed into like, well, of course I want to Okay, you're right. After talking to enough of you, being a dom does sound fun. And I think that if I did it for work, hey, don't fight. I could have a lot of fun telling people what to do and facilitating these experiences and, you know, finding out what makes people tick and offering that and providing that and finding ways to hold space for people so that they can explore more deeply and then being able to hear in the deepest, most intimate, fresh ways 
what their experience was like. Like those are the types of interviews that I'm really, really interested in. Also, someone just told me about a top who does porn and he interviews his bottoms afterwards. So I definitely want to go find out who that is. So I do think I have come a long way in the last three years from like, I'm going to normalize talking about sex to like, oh my God, I want to try everything. I have some more fantasies than I ever could have possibly imagined. And uh, hopefully my mom and dad never figure out that a dominatrix is a sex worker. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here to smash shame and stigma. So maybe it doesn't fucking matter. And I'm now getting to combine that with my favorite arts. I'm already getting to write. I'm going to make another movie. And I'm going to get to perform. Dante is coming along quite nicely. I'm very excited to embody this character. And she does feel like a character, although it's really cool because I'm going to be bringing her out into the real world. So that is in some ways performance art. And then in my perfect world, the Playship Road Trip Mission 69 also includes the one-woman show that I've been working on for the past couple of years called Curious Asshole. You'll see. <laughs> so that's my sex at work origin story. And in some ways, it all feels very much like a series of logical next steps. So that brings me to my personal definition of sexy. And I think for me, it's the experience of being allowed to share someone else's turn on energy. And that's how I experience it in a universal way. So at work, when I'm interviewing someone on the podcast, when I'm talking to someone about a sexual thing, I haven't done this in person yet, but when I'm reading books, learning about being a top, and when you talk to the other person about their desire, there is more of a boundary, but there still is sexual erotic exchange. And I think culturally, tell me what, tell me what you think. We often exist in the spaces where in order to enjoy the exchange of erotic energy with another person, especially if they're not our partner, especially if we're monogamous, we just have to pretend like it doesn't exist. And then it's like this tiny little secret that lives inside of us. And maybe we tell our best friend or maybe we don't. Maybe we just keep it. But there's like this piece of guilt and shame and taboo, I think. And that's what I see in my outside of work definition of sexy. That's what I see being marketed to me as a consumer. In the packaging on the lingerie, in the lipstick color, in the like, dripping whatever and that's not to say that those things don't turn me on they do but it's like force feeding me this thing rather than having it come from the place of the erotic energy and desire if that makes any sense and I'm not criticizing outside in versus inside out although I do think if we go outside in without understanding our own selves first or feeling pressured to like only that thing and feeling like it devalues the inside bits of us, that's where I think we start to get problematic. So I certainly engage in tongues, in pictures of tongues, in wetness all over, in double entendre, in the innuendo. And I think that for me, it's about creating like the full picture around it and figuring out what each connection is. So at work, I have lots of boundaries on 
how I engage with the erotic, the very tender, very personal, very vulnerable erotic energy that is being shared. And I am <laughs> hilariously like my actual pretty real reaction is like a lot of childlike glee. And I am. I'm just so happy to hear about people getting fucked in ways that they love. That makes me so fucking happy. I'm so happy, too, that people can talk about it. I I don't know why it makes me so happy. It's just pure joy for me. The next best thing to, like, experiencing my own version of that with a partner who I trust deeply. So I think there's that's, like, my actual experience with what sexy at work is. And then I think in terms of the definition I'm using at work, okay, so differentiating between, like, the type of sexy I experience at work and then the type of sexy that I think I communicate about most commonly with people. I mean, you've heard people give their own answers about what's the definition of sexy, but I think what we experience on the podcast is there seems to always be an element of safety, an element of desire and curiosity and following that desire. And then there often is a psychological, you know, either an emotional, mental, physical, or some combination of the three experience of connection with another person. So I think it's like when you're there, when you're in the same space at the same time, because it's it's the nuance of it. That's what I think. The energetic nuance is the difference between an exchange that is like full of yes and becomes this kind of transcendent, cherished moment and something where it's off, where I want something different than that person wants, and there's a rupture. And I think those are the most painful parts of human experience. And also, that's why I want to talk about the glorious parts, because I, I think that there is so much shame and sadness about those, for lack of a better, clearer term, I'll call them rejection feelings. So I think at work, Sexy is that energy, especially when there's like clear, legal, consensual, safe, all the things that are yummy. And then there's a part that gets marketed to us. And I think we're also trying to integrate those two things because I'm not, you know, we live in the society we live in. We're born there. We can only change it so much at what such a rate in our lifetime. And I'm working actively to do that. And I think that's the other thing, too, is that I'm able to notice so often that what is offered to me contains a different set of assumptions about what is sexy than what I have. Especially the more that I get in touch with my queerness and the more that I am engaging with people that know that I'm safe. So they tell me about anything that's not kind of like regular straight cookie cutter stuff. I'm like, oh, we're all so kinky. But it's like that's the selected universe that I'm creating for myself by continuing to open up and invite clear non-judgmental sharing. So yeah, I guess that's a good way to say it. Maybe there's sexy for me is really non-judgmental and open as long as safety is there and legality and all of the consent that that implies. And what is less sexy is something that's being offered without the awareness to check in, even if it's just an advertisement, obviously ads can't talk to us, but it's like, that's, that's the stuff where I'm like, huh, really? You think that's for women only? Well, I'm so sorry. I refuse to say that this is for women in my advertising, if I'm going to advertise it. So that's the part at work where I'm like, oh no, the way you're marketing this is not sexy. So 
that's how my work is sexy and not sexy and compares to how I understand the outside world. And like the less sexy stuff is all of the behind the scenes, like trying to do the email, doing all the research, like just all the immense amounts of screen time, preparing pitches, emailing people, not hearing back from people, getting rejected by people, like just all of that that goes into kind of these like long-term projects. And then I think for me, the hardest part is really just feeling the solitude of work. Like, thank God I have Kimberly helping now and I'm bringing on a friend to maybe help me handle email a little bit better. But I'm learning the importance of self-care in order to sustain a long-term vision that I am currently the sole holder of. And that's why I also want to tell you what I'm working on because most of the people in my life who are close to me, and this is where it starts to get weird in my own sex life because I'm here I am outside of like interviewing other people when I'm just like brainstorming on Mission 69 and thinking about Dante and building the playship and what elements do I want to put inside the playship like which toys which art supplies and like thinking like oh my gosh so here's how it's going to be discreet so obviously I'm going to be approaching mainstream art brands but also sex toy companies and I'm not going to hide anything but there will be discreet language discreet pitches uh there will be hooks all around the inside of the trailer like on, on key points for photography backdrops and you could use them for other things as well. So I'm like really excited to just be developing that stuff all the time. And like those brainstorm sessions have been some of my favorite over the last couple of weeks, especially working on FAM, fucking awesome mess, the magazine that I put out at the end of September. Organizing my thoughts in that way is so exciting to me. And it means that a lot of my actual sexual fantasies right now have to do with work. Like I'm like, mm, someday when I'm 50 and I have this brothel or like mm, when I'm on the play ship, like I wonder if my master could meet up with me or like, mm, does he even care? And then we hit real life. And that's where I'm like wanting to tell the people in my real life, especially the ones that I'm attracted to, every little detail and thought about every single idea that I have. And it's so far out in fantasy for them. I don't know. And, you know, and they listen. But there's this part of me that has a deep, deep fantasy about a work-life partner who shares the mission. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't have that. So you will find the right team in the right time. And in the meantime, you will have the right amount of lovers in the right time at all the different points. You know, and so I think uh, finding that line between personal and professional for me, uh, it's, I don't, I've given up on it. <laughs> I'm not trying to achieve it really. And I'm actually just making more of an effort to, talk about my work with the people I love and to notice that a lot of my discomfort is my own shyness and my own uncertainty around like, oh shit, do they really want to be listening or not? Because I have a hard time telling when I should and shouldn't be talking in a conversation, which is why it's very easy for me to interview people to just sit there, you know, but you also hear when I interrupt people and you also hear the awkward parts. So the more that I reveal about my personal life, I've had to learn some lessons there. I definitely, the first year or two, revealed too much information in real time at various points. So I'm a big mess of confusion when it comes to work life, personal life. I have no idea how to communicate explicitly with people. I probably err on the side of being hyper explicit, especially about sex now. And then there are times where I'm tired or I forget or I think I've already talked to a person and I probably should check in and I don't. And so far, everything has been fine. I mean, aside from like accidentally exploding some people on Tinder, but like that's just people on Tinder being people on Tinder. And I think being nervous about a sex podcaster and probably not taking the time to be like, wait, what does that mean? What do you do? Um, 
But yeah, I'm I'm really, really curious to hear. It sounds like nobody actually has communication issues or like specific insights or rules in the workplace, which I find fascinating. And like, how do you work in sex and talk about sex and you don't have like a guideline? So I'm also curious. I can't wait to interview more people in dungeons or who work in these other spaces because I just have these like wild imaginings like someone someone somewhere out there has an office that's like these are our rules about sex and how we talk about it um I don't know okay maybe it's not necessary because people are just regular (laughs) I'm learning that I should just really err on the side of using the word creativity instead of sex so that is what I'm focusing on right now so also just keep in mind anytime you see the word creative I'm probably thinking like Yes, all the creativity, but like also sex, you know, it's inclusive creativity. How do I define the term sex worker? Do you identify as one? This is a research question for me. I don't define the term sex worker. I I think before I talked with Billy Priscilla last December, I think I really just thought of sex workers as people that were like on purpose using sexuality, like selling sex itself. My definition has expanded because I think sex stories makes me a sex worker or maybe made me a sex worker, although I don't know if it started out that way. Like, I think it it probably wasn't until I got paid for the first ad. So tushy, maybe tushy made me a sex worker. <laughs> That's actually a hilarious idea. Um, you know, and selling nudes. I really don't think of my nudes as sex work at all, because for me, they have nothing to do with sex. Unless I unless I, but you know what? Cause I was going to say, unless I tr- send them to my master to try to turn them on. Honestly, I've had a lot of backfires, not with him. He's so wonderfully appreciative of me. And, uh, if anything, I think I've just, he's used to them. And now he has access to all my galleries. And so like everything I put out kind of is for him, but not, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's actually checking it regularly actually, but yeah, no, it's my nudes are really just They started out as a way to remind myself that I'm in a body, that I have a body, that I can feel good and that I can feel sexy to myself. Like I started taking them when I was in South America, like wandering around in 2016. So I don't think of them as sex work because I then just started selling them because it's like, oh, there's people that want to see me naked and they like don't mind paying money for that. Okay. Like I don't. Yeah, I'm not shy. I don't think of my nudes as sex work. I think if I start doing make love, not porn, which I probably need someone to help me edit video and keep track of my content before I start doing that. So that means I need to make way more money first. But I love the idea of doing more stuff like that. And of course, training to become a dom and see what it's like to be a pro-dom. I feel like that will be the first time where I'm like, ha I've crossed the line officially. You know, like right now I feel in the same way that I kind of feel like, oh, I'm not a real queer person until I have a long-term girlfriend. And it doesn't matter that I briefly had a girlfriend because they're not really a girl anyway, <laughs> you know, like, which isn't, I don't know. Yeah. So I think, I think for me, a sex worker is maybe when I can see someone getting off. I don't know. That's just a definition of the moment. It's not, it's not. I think a sex worker is whatever you want it to be. I really also like the idea of being a sexual artist because not that I can't do the work. I actually love work. I actually think I have a work kink or maybe having this podcast has developed a work kink because like I was saying earlier, most of my work stuff turns me on so much and it creates this hilarious, amazing dopamine loop where I'm always so excited to work on whatever the next step of the project is. And I do spin out because I'm like, oh wait, 
I'll work on the pitch document. No, this website. No, that website. No, no, no. Okay, stop. Get off screens. You need to do the writing. Do the right. No, just be Dante. No, you need to do a photo shoot uh, as Dante right now. You know, so I'm really learning to kind of like do the flow of all of it. Um, am I a sex worker? I don't know. Officially, whenever I take on my first client as Dante and give my first orders as Dante, that's when I think I will have like really feel like I've earned sex worker. And then we'll see how that goes and we'll see if I achieve like sexual artist or craftsman in my by my own whatever my definition is in the future. <laughs> I hope to keep growing and exploring and seeing where it leads. What have I learned about social and cultural norms that has surprised me? Well, shame. Like I knew it was there, but I didn't know it was so strong. That's also the thing that I would like to shift. I just want people to have permission in their bodies. I just really doing whatever I can to support the functioning of my heart, mind, and body to connect with other people and to give my creative gifts in the world. That's what I want for others. I think sex is a part of that in so many ways. Like I think the act of sex helps regulate our human animal bodies, but I think it's also the greatest creative act. And I know that for me, there's a strong link between the creative inspirations that I receive in my artwork and the, and like creative work. I don't, I don't know about the word art. Like, yes, I do art, but like, it's so integrated with the podcast, but is a podcast art. It's inspiration. Like you guys are my muses in many ways, in the same way that my master is and has been and will be, I hope forever. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want to shift that. I want more people to, I wish I could just dose everyone with like the non-shame that I have. And again, it's not that I never get embarrassed. It's not that I don't understand sometimes. Well, no, sometimes I don't understand when I'm supposed to be embarrassed, <laughs> but there are some times where I get it and I feel the discomfort of like, no, I'm not choosing that embarrassment. I choose something different. And that I love, I mean, I love how many super Christian people are kinky and fucking a lot because that to me is so fucking hopeful because the more that I learn about origins of oppression, the happier that I am to hear that in current times it's possible for people of faith to not let the oppressive part attack them. I know that's not true for everyone, but I think just hearing the flexibility that does exist in certain communities gives me some hope. And I think, you know, just hearing how many people want to learn more and are open. So even if they're not already having a great fucking time, like just the number of people out there who are like curious and eager to ride the next wave. <laughs> oh my God. Um, not on purpose. To, to, I think that we can create a swell and that we can, I, I just have this deep hope that we can really make a broad shift and that once we start, it'll be powerful. And I think that that's already starting to happen in the media and with the younger generations and the not giving the fucks in the places that don't matter. I hope that we can continue to use technology to kind of like hone in on the part of human connection that is really beautiful and special and can't fully be translated through a screen. Although again, so many wonderful things can happen through technology and screens, all of it. So yeah, that's what I love. Um, 
since I started the work, I don't know. I can't say that I've noticed a broad cultural shift in the past three years. It's easier to notice the shifts inside of myself. I do have some fear around a woman's right to choose and the attacks on that basic freedom that are queuing up. So I think that's just like the broadest thing that's been on my mind lately, especially seeing what's happening in Texas. I hope that this is the end of something that wants to die and not the beginning of a new era of deeper backsliding. I just think the most loving choice is for a person to have full autonomy over their body. And I do remain hopeful. And I think it's our job to just keep doing the mission of love and keep working toward a world in which all of us are free enough to give our creative gifts. And I mean that in economic ways. I mean that in social liberty sort of ways. That is the world that I want to create for us. And if I could wave a magic wand and teach everyone something about sex, I want them to feel deep freedom, joy, and pleasure in their physical bodies, but in that way where it also touches your mind and heart. I don't know if there's a big distinction. The more that I've listened to the Huberman Lab, my favorite neuroscience podcast, my favorite, my new favorite podcast across the board, I've learned so much. I finally caught up on all the episodes. I just started listening in June. And I've learned so much. I want to go re-listen to them. The more I listen to that, the more I'm like, oh, mind, heart, body. Okay, it's all connected because it's all experienced through our nervous system. And given the fact that we are all distinct creatures, it's a miracle in my mind that we even communicate at all because it's just a ton of electrical signals that our brain is interpreting. That's how you're hearing me right now, every single thing in our body. And that also makes me think there must be a way to wave a magic wand or hook people up to something and, and transmit that feeling of joy. I do not mean drugs. I just mean like whatever neurons are firing. I wish I could give people my little streak of hope and optimism. Uh, I think they are, now that I've learned so much, I think it's a lot of dopamine. I think I'm a highly dopaminergic person. Um, so I would invite everyone to go listen to his recent episode on dopamine and fine-tuning your life for function if that's what you want, if that's something you want, because um, dopamine is the molecule of seeking it, and curiosity. And they like to say pleasure and pain, but that's not exactly accurate. It's it's the thing that gets us up and moving. And it seems to be associated with horny people and also sex. I started reading this book called The Molecule of More. It's about dopamine, which Andrew Huberman recommended. It's very sex negative, just the way that it's written, um, some of the framings of it. And it has research from Helen Fisher, which it's there's kind of this like monogamous, like, oh, people with dopamine, they're extra horny. And I'm like, yes, stop saying it like it's a bad thing. Anyway, I would like to wave a magic wand and have everyone experience intense, delicious joy feelings, however the fuck that gets activated in their brain. In terms of silly shame-related experiences, God, you would think I would have a good answer ready for this. I don't know. I just think all shame is so silly, but I also think that when I'm interviewing people, I'm so far out of a zone of judgment that I don't even know what's silly. I know that I laugh a lot, and I know that I've like made big-eyed faces because I watch myself back sometimes, you know, like scrubbing through, and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 
I don't know. You tell me. What's the silliest shame-related experience I've encountered on the pod? I feel like people's answers are always so good. Maybe just feeling ashamed to reach out to brands because I don't know how to talk about myself. Honestly, I think I have more communication shame and fear than anything. And that's like very funny to me because I try so hard. I've read so many communication books over the last year, but I've got room to grow still. So you tell me if you have better ideas about anything you've witnessed from the pod. What I think the world needs to become a sexier place. I think it just needs more people to talk about it. Not just. That's just one of many things. It needs a shift. I don't know what comes first. I think it needs a critical mass. I hope that the podcast helps that. I hope that Mission 69, I hope that going around in a creativity playship, inviting people to come and explore their creativity wherever they are in the process. I imagine, like, I imagine it would be so fun to have a group of, like, six girlfriends for your bachelorette party. Like, you go and you paint and you draw and you color and then you, like, try out different types of dildos and you take sexy pictures and you do, you know, like that's what I want the playship experience to be. Griffin, the three-legged dog is hopping around in the background. Um, he's making noises. So that's what I hope to do with the road trip portion of mission 69. I hope to be able to create actual experiences for people to explore or to at least inspire people to think about exploring with each other. I want people to have permission to explore whatever the fuck they want and to stand up for themselves in loving ways, not attacking each other, but in loving ways when it's when our friends or our lovers or our longtime partners shame us because that's the cultural norm or maybe that's even the relational norm. And I wonder if there are more ways that we can say, you know what? I love you and this is something that's important to me and I know you're just teasing me but it doesn't feel good. And I want something different for us because this is vulnerable for me. And I also think it could be really fun. And I want to play with you. Like I want that conversation to be more accessible to more of us. Why can't I say that to people? Uh, Okay. Maybe now that I've practiced out loud, um, I've had clunkier versions. I get so tense and tight when I have to tell someone I love or someone I'm fucking something that's really important to me. Like I can feel the tension in my body in real time and I still can't release it just yet. And I can even breathe into it and I can tell them my experience in the moment. And, um, you know, my amygdala is still an amygdala and it gets scared because I'm a human and we still have these lizard brain responses. So I think that's what the world needs. We need our amygdalas to calm down and we need to give a little bit more permission to our pleasure centers and maybe judge each other a little bit less or just practice seeing what that feels like if we replace judgment with curiosity. And um, I hope that Mission 69 can go all the way and become like Schoolhouse Rock meets Rocky Horror Picture Show. So that we can literally get songs stuck in our head about how to do sex and how to communicate it and how to ask about kinks and desires and everything in ways that are safe and that open up conversations. So that concludes my portion of this interview. We're just going to read a couple of emails. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause right here to talk about how much I love therapy and why you should consider BetterHelp. BetterHelp is making it easier than ever to connect with a therapist that is right for you. And I find it is very in line with the sex story's mission to make the world a sexier, more loving place. You see, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, so it's convenient. You can start 
communicating in under 48 hours, and it's all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. It's available worldwide and offers a broad range of expertise, which may not be locally available in many areas. Those of us who grew up in rural zones, we get it. It's convenient, professional, and anything you share is confidential. BetterHelp is not a crisis line or a self-help line. It is professional counseling. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor at any time. So I believe that stories are practical everyday magic. And I think sex stories and now sex at work stories are magical because at least for me, hearing other people share deeply is a way for me to not only connect to their desire, but to my own desire. And for me, the next step to figuring out the desires inside of me, like trying to figure out which ones want to become three-dimensional, like in the real world, and there are some that just want to stay as fantasy fuel, and figuring that out for me can be tangly. I am super full of desire, and I want more people and more time to make more things than is humanly possible, so that is how I use therapy, to sort out my current actual desires, my wants, my needs, and to catch my sneaky stories that I'm telling myself about myself that are not particularly helpful to going after those things. Therapy is for noodling out loud, and I recommend it to everyone. Start living a better life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash sex stories. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That is betterhelp.com slash sex stories for 10% off your first month. Thank you, BetterHelp. This one is thank you, thank you, thank you from M. It is a yay celebration. If we, if you listen to sex story snippets, which I realize I, I need to say that I retired them. Sextrology and sex story snippets. When I got COVID, I was like, oh, that's, I don't need to do two extra podcasts. That does take a lot of, it just takes a lot of time to record them and then like fix the sound a little bit, even if I don't edit them and then upload them and write titles and write descriptions. And like the organization alone is a lot. So this is kind of taking its place. Yo, I had to send you a great big heartfelt thank you because thanks to you, I had a very good and very relaxed and stress-free sex talk with my 17-year-old son. This might sound silly, but it's been a terrifying thought for many years. We had a general talk when he was young, so he knows how babies are made, but I never had a sex talk growing up. When I was 13, my dad said one random night, now my son, you're at that age where you'll start having those things called sexual drives. You shouldn't be thinking about that stuff, but if you do, let me know and we'll pray about it. And any other sexual-related education were Sunday sermons condemning women for being seductresses and not covering their bodies. Oh, <gasps> that's me. Oh, no. <laughs> but also, oh, yes. I'm not a seductress. I'm just busy being naked and happy. I've long rejected such teachings, but I've had no idea how to find the confidence to have a cool and healthy talk with my teen. But every time I listen to your podcast, you ask what kind of education people have had about consent, and I picked up on the thought, you have to talk about this with him. And now, he just got his own set of wheels and a girlfriend, and I'm like, okay, now I really, really, really have to do this. But how do I not make it awkward like my dad's attempt? Finally, one morning, after stressing, the light bulb went off. Just talk to him like Wyo talks to people. Calm and measured, and loving. That's a really sweet reflection. Think of how badly you wish you could have had a safe place for sex questions and advice. So last night, we were driving, and I just struck up a conversation. I asked how things were with his new girlfriend, and then said, I know we've talked about how babies are made, but there's so much more to sex. We've never talked about consent and safe sex. At first, he bristled. We're not doing anything! Why are we talking about this? I said, 
because nobody ever told me anything, and I'd be a bad dad if I didn't look out for you like this. And I kept talking and read his face and his body, and it became more relaxed. It was a great talk. I was so happy. He seemed at ease, and I was so relieved. I feel like the groundwork is laid for open dialogue because he even said, okay, thanks, once we were done. And I was like, thank God for Wiley. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me make my corner of the world a happier, sexier, safer place. Keep up the good and very important work. Big love, M. That makes me so happy and literally hearing stuff like that really helps me feel like I am not alone in this work. Like the number one thing where I'm like, oh, am I crazy? Does anyone care? That's the type of ripple effect that I hope to make. So thank you, M, for writing in with that. And any of you who out there who are parents or know people who are becoming parents or who are parents and are looking for guidance, I really enjoyed reading Beyond Birds and Bees by Bonnie J. Ruff, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So there's a great audiobook version of it. There is a great hard copy, you know, whatever works for you. It's really, really, really well put together, thoughtful information. So go check it out. Beyond Birds and Bees by Bonnie J. Ruff. Another one. This is a little story, a sex story to share. From G. Hi, Wyo. For my story, I have to give a little background first. My boyfriend and I are in a long-distance relationship, so due to COVID, we hadn't seen each other in over a year in person. Last week, he finally came over, yay, and we had some lovely sexy times. It's important to note that just one week before he came over, I was diagnosed with arthritis, so bending my hands tends to be painful. On to the actual story, while I was giving him a hand job, I tried ignoring the aching feeling. However, I did need to switch sometimes. This unintentionally led me to edging him for a very long time, as each time I switched hands or to hit my mouth, he was this close to coming. I gotta say, I'd never seen a load as big. <laughs> With a winky smiley. Again, thank you for your amazing pod. Love and lots of sexiness, G. <gasps> well, that just makes my heart super fucking happy. What a great way to do the right thing for your body and also edge someone like fuck yeah that makes me so 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 happy for you okay this is from w intro to basics 101 a question hi wyo i've been listening to the podcast for about six months now and i've probably only covered 40 to 50 episodes thank you for what you do it's been an amazing intro into a very different world than what i've previously been exposed to to follow your typical podcast descriptions i'm 35 cis m been with my partner for about 15 years cautiously reconsidering belonging to the church, my shame meter is around a seven or eight, and I'm curious about this whole new world you've introduced. I connect with so much of what you share on the podcasts. Uh, I'm not going to say these specifics. Like you, I can't seem to get out of my own head. I want to study everything about life, but I haven't explored the world and I don't know where to start. I feel like I need a sex life coach. What do you recommend for someone who's curious about getting into this world? Grateful W. It's such a big question, and it's not one that I can answer other than to say, can you let yourself start following your own curiosity? I think that's what I did, although it didn't feel organized or conscious. I think that's kind of what I've been stumbling into in my adulthood as I have been looking for choices that I make. I want to choose things that even when there's struggle in my life, it's a struggle that I feel good about because I've chosen it. For me, it started with something's not right. I need to get out of my space. 
okay, I'm out of my space. I'm traveling around South America. Oh my God, that sex was amazing. I want more of that. Oh my God, I just came from 69ing. <gasps> I love it. I love it. Oh, wait, this is a very romantic, perfect venture. This feels not good at all. Why? Why are these inconsistent? Why? What's happening? Huh? And then coming back to the U.S., I didn't know how to make sense of it. I was like, well, I guess casual sex is just hit and miss. Or maybe that's what happens when your emotions are up and down because you're wandering around and you're lonely. But shouldn't the lonely sex have felt better? I don't know. I don't know. And then I heard a whisper of like, I want to get tied up. And so I tried that with a couple of friends who I knew and I trusted. But they are not super dominant people. And so they did it for me. And I was like, I want to get tied up by someone who really wants to tie me up. And that's what unlocked everything for me. And I am only three years in and I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. So I think in our little human lives that where we only have so much time, what is it that you want to explore next? Before you do anything to leave your faith and, of course, make your own decisions for yourself. And I fully support people following their own intuition and finding community that supports them in the ways they need to feel supported. That's something that's been really, really huge and important in my life is making friends who support me deeply and also making friends who have shared values. Because I think for a long time I had lots of support, but it was like general, like non-specific support. And I, it's not until I started making sexier friends over the past few years or just kind of inviting my regular friends to share more openly with me that I started to feel a deeper level of connection that I didn't know was possible with people, with friendships, with non-lovers. And so I think that all I can offer you, W, is I don't know that you need a sex life coach unless there's like a very specific issue that you want to work on or something. Most of my experience, most of what I learn about, or unless you meet someone who inspires you, unless you meet someone who has a certain protocol. Dante will be offering a protocol. I'm in the process of writing it and creating it and researching it. So if you want to wait a year or two, basically when the road trip launches, there will be a wider spread invitation to follow along with weekly. I imagine there will be tears. It's going to develop a lot between here and there, but I have lots of ideas about how I want to roll that out. So if there's someone who is offering a framework where you can just show up and explore as much as you want, go take advantage of that. But in terms of specific people, I, I think it depends on the experience that you want. I think you're just going to have to dive in. And um, I don't know if you want to write us back and let us know maybe kind of like what you're thinking for starters, then I could give a little bit more specific advice, but I think you just have to see where your curiosity crumbs lead and know that wherever you go is going to be great. Even if it results in some like mild disasters that seem like disasters at the moment, I can say from experience that like they always lead places where for me, at least the result has been growth. If And again, depends on your framework, your mindset and what you want to get out of it. You can always find disasters where you're looking for them, but I, in the same way, there are always interesting questions uh, to be asked and answered and interesting, interesting things to explore, in my personal opinion. So, W, I wish you the best. Keep us posted. Next, we have a story slash a parts poll response. This is from M. Different M. Letter M. This is from M. E-M. Hello, Wyo. I'm a 23-year-old Canadian cis woman living in blank. I found your podcast near the beginning of COVID and it has been so educational for me and my boyfriend. We've always joked about doing threesomes in the past, but 
After we heard stories from your guest, we've actually started doing threesomes, foursomes, and even went to a sex club a few weeks ago. We currently identify as swingers. Our sexual explorations have been fun, educational, and have shown us just how much trust we have in each other. We used to be quite vanilla, not saying that in a bad way, no judgment for people who like to have vanilla sex. I like vanilla sex. To the whole wide world, I like vanilla sex. I love sensual experiences. I just really love the clear communication that comes with kink, and I don't like getting confused. So (laughs) if vanilla sex can also be clear, I really like that. But I think we've both wanted to try more things and didn't know how to express it to each other. Now we've explored bondage, BDSM, and dom-sub sex, which have all been so much fun for us. I also started having sexual adventures with other female-bodied people, which I had never really considered before. Turns out, I enjoy it very much. On dating apps, I identify as bi because I think that's easiest for other people to fully understand, but personally, I feel I'm not fully bi as I could not see myself having a romantic relationship with a female-identifying person, as I do with my current boyfriend. I get that, and I respect that. I also once identified the same way and got my whole world exploded. (laughs) Instead, I tell people my sexuality is down to fuck with nice consenting people who are also interested in fucking me. (laughs) I love that. I also wanted to thank you for doing this podcast. I personally believe talking about sex and sexuality should never be shameful and that everyone should be able to talk about these things freely. So I love that you're normalizing these conversations through your podcast as well. Anyways, now, here's the part where I answer the Muse questionnaire. Speaking of Muse, stop attacking! Muse is on the farm and he's unhappy that I've brought him here among the other cats. My private body parts are my boobs and my vagina. I have small boobs that do not sag at all. They're fairly cone-shaped and I have always been self-conscious of them because they do not match the stereotypical boob shape that you see portrayed in media. As I've gotten older, I'm getting closer to actually admiring them for their uniqueness instead. My boyfriend often compliments my boobs and says they are just the perfect shape and size for him to hold in his hands. He loves to hold them. For my vagina, I actually think it is quite beautiful. During one of our foursomes, the other male partner was shocked at how stereotypically perfect it looked. He complimented me on how it was beautiful, a shade of pink, and that it was so symmetrical that he thought I might have had plastic surgery done on it. Before that experience, I didn't have any opinion on whether my vagina was pretty or not. I also really like how the slit created by the folding of my labia does not go up very high on the front of my vagina. I think it goes up just the perfect length for myself. I often don't make my vagina completely smooth because my skin is easily irritated, but I keep it trimmed quite short. I like any attention to my lips, my labia. Receiving oral is one of my favorite sexual activities. I like attention to the clit with no skin covering it. I like to have light to medium pressure on it. When the pressure is too hard, it feels painful on my clit. I have noticed that my inner labia become enlarged when I am aroused and my skin becomes a darker pink. I do not have any tattoos, piercings, or injuries in my private parts. I used to never look at my genitalia, but since I started sending nudes a few years ago, I have looked at it more often. My boyfriend loves to just lay with his face between my legs and play around and inspect my vagina. He doesn't do it in a sexual way, but more in an exploration way. He just pokes, prods, and rubs it. I think it's cute and fun when he does that. I think my naked body as a whole is pretty. I love my large butt and the way my back looks. I've always been self-conscious of my upper arms and my stomach, and I feel like my arms are too fat, and I've always wanted to have a skinnier waist. Just like my boobs, I'm learning to like them all more and more. I often take sensual selfies to show my boyfriend or other exum partners. Oh, I love that! Threesome, foursome, moresome, exum. When I take a very flattering picture, it raises my self-confidence and makes me feel like a beautiful sexual being. Fuck yeah! 
I love having my nipples pinched lightly. It sends a tingling sensation all through my chest that just can't be matched any other way. I have always wanted to try a penis for a day. The first thing I would do is helicopter my dick in the mirror and send a video of it to my boyfriend. Oh, a wiggle dick. <laughs> the second thing I would do is get myself aroused. The way dicks are able to grow so fast when they're aroused just seems like magic to me. It does seem like magic. Yes, I love that. Yes. I would love to know how that feels. I have explored with butt plugs and anal penetration. My boyfriend is excellent at eating me out while fingering my vagina and butthole at the same time. Truly a master of the art, in my opinion. One of my butt plugs has a purple tail, and I love it. We also have had anal sex, and I was shocked at just how different it felt from my vagina. It felt stimulating the entire time, whereas with vaginal sex, it tends to come and go for me. Anal sex is also a bit painful, so I don't do it very often. My neck and scalp are wonderful erogenous zones on my beautiful body. I like light massaging, just like trailing fingers across my skin anywhere on my body, but when it reaches my neck and scalp, the tingling sensation I feel is just so relaxing. Getting my hair cut is a bit of a turn-on, to be honest. Ooh, I love that. That's awesome. My favorite part of my body is definitely my butt. I love the shape. I love how much it sticks out. I love how jiggly it is. I just bought a strap-on last week. I was so excited to try it because I could finally helicopter my own dick. <laughs> yes! The only feelings I felt with it on was happiness, playfulness, and joy. I am very excited to try it on a vagina-bodied person in the future. Beautiful pictures included. Big love, M. Ugh! What a well-written, insightful, thoughtful thing. Again, lovers, if you want to submit your body story, visit sexstoriespodcast.com slash send nudes. Okay, this is just a little story slash report from A. Cock sleeve. Hey, love the show. I have personally used a cock sleeve. My partner and I have been together for a few years now, and I wanted to experiment with toys. She was not into the idea and gave me a lot of pushback. When we had sex, I felt at times that she wanted a little more. As a man, we can tell. Now, see, this is where I'm like, are you sure? but listen to the rest of the story. I'm eight inches, and at first, it was a lot for her. But after a few years, it wasn't the same. I went ahead and ordered an 11-inch cock sleeve. Okay, I think I would die. 11 inches is big. I went ahead and ordered an 11-inch cock sleeve and surprised her. We were having sex. She was on the edge of her bed in doggy style with her legs together, pushing back toward me to get full penetration. I dropped to my knees and started eating her out. While I was doing that, I was putting the cock sleeve on. I came back up to my feet and had her real wet and started fucking her. First, teasing her with the head. Mind you, the sleeve was a lot thicker than me as well. I saw her body tense up and she looked confused. She started moaning and I gave her more and more. She was loving it and when she realized what was going on, she did not let me pull out until she came. We have tons of fun with it. A. Okay, so amazing. I love that story, and I want to just say this is a really clear moment where these partners were in sync with each other, presumably based on this story. I always get a little prickly when someone is like, you know, I can just tell because I have been the person on the other end of someone just being able to tell that was like silent, frozen inside, trying to figure out how to communicate my need without causing the other person to explode. So I'm always like, are you sure? Like, how do you know? How do you really know? So in this story, it sounds like the fact that they have tons of fun with it over and over again. Sounds like she was into it. 
Do I think that in general, surprising partners with sex toys you haven't discussed ahead of time in a positive yes way is a good idea? No, I think that's got to like make me a little bit itchy. For me, it wouldn't be fun. It's not a good surprise. I know that some people have different boundaries. So hopefully you do actually know your partner and get it right. Um, I'm so happy that you're using a cock sleeve. I love that you're like eight inches isn't big enough. I want 11 and got something girthy. How cool. And I would be more curious to hear the details about like your experience using it. And I just, I just think it's so, yeah, is it more psychological for you? I know some people say they can't really feel anything. Other people have said they, other, other people have reported that they can. So always curious to hear details. So lovers, we have read some stories. I have shared all my thoughts with you. My new friend Dante would like to know, and please email yo at sexstoriespodcast.com if you have an answer. Question one. If you were going to a dungeon, what furniture pieces would you be most excited to play with? Please send six to nine responses. Question number two. If you, exactly as you are now, current age, got transported back to grade school for six weeks, what are six to nine arts and crafts that you would be most excited to play with or do during that time. Additionally, if you care to share, what grades were your favorite? If you hated school and want to envision this as a summer camp or like a YMCA, wherever you can imagine having like playful, creative, non-grown-up art stuff, what would you be excited to make or play with or do? Email yo at sexstoriespodcast.com. Share your answers. Help me design the mobile playship. Let's make the world a sexier place, etc., etc. So, lovers, that is this week's episode of Sex at Work. Please remember to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and be a lover who makes the world a sexier place by leaving reviews and comments and thumbs up and stars wherever you can. That is how we get the algorithm on board to make the world a more loving place. If you want to hear personal sex stories from lovers around the world, go listen to Sex Stories wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to listen to my personal details, see my naked portrait, or check out my series of curious questions to ask your next lover or want to find other ways to join my mission to make the world a sexier, more loving place, visit mission69.org. My questions this month have to do with the body. There are very many detailed body questions that are delicious. My why or not shares. I'm working on a fantasy called Awkward Cake Mistress. It takes place in a bakery. I am using Mistress Venus. They are inhabiting the Dom character. And I'm using my submissive character, Not, short for Naughty, but also Wyoming Not is the name of the character whose name I stole. So Not is <laughs> basically Mistress Venus in this total fantasy story is going to be dominating this this baker, she's a pastry chef, and there's a very sweet story about why, and it's also going to be very hot, and it's going to take place in the bakery. And it involves cake and awkward essentials, because I thought it would be fun to just kind of like put our first three guests together and um, make a nice little story out of it. So that's going to be showing up on Why Not at some point when I finish it. I may post the written version too. Basically, the more that people respond to me and give me feedback, the more likely I am to share. But if I don't hear back from people, there's a good chance that I will not feel inspired to share more regularly on Why Not. And it might just be a fantasy or it might just be an occasional update in between these updates. So mission69.org. That also takes you to yole.com slash lover. But if you want to see the details of the mission, go visit mission69.org. 
wiley.com, blah, blah, blah. All of it connects to all of it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sex Stories Pod. Follow me at Wiley and submit sex stories, especially if you have work-related ones via sexstoriespodcast.com. But if not, this counts as my sex at work, so it all works. Lovers, let me know what your ideal playship tools might be. Thank you for your interest in sex, and remember to share sex stories. Mm-hmm.